And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air, the official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where I hope you are going every day to get news stories you can't find anywhere else. You're signing up for our twice-a-week newsletter at DelawareValleyJournal.com, following us on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Linda Stein is our intrepid news editor who, as we record this, just got back from the dentist. Is that right, Linda? Yes, unfortunately, but I made it safely back to my desk. Yeah, that's not what I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to hear you go. Yeah, that would have been that would have made this hilarious. That would have been absolutely <laughs> great. Uh, and speaking of hilarious, it is always a delight to speak to Guy Shiraki, who's running for what are you running for now, Guy? Bring us all up to state here at the Delaware Valley Journal. So I am running for Congress in Congressional District 6. That is all of Chester County and parts of Southern Berks County going up to the city of Reading. And you made a shift. You've refocused yourself. So could you maybe explain to the Republican primary voters why? Sure. Um, it was an evolution that started maybe more than a month ago. Uh, as you know, when, when we've spoken about news stories in a prior podcast, my, my passion the last two years has been really focused on uh, helping small businesses and getting kids back in school and giving them a sense of normalcy and a mo very basic, which was restoring our liberty, which was being taken away throughout the lockdown. And I launched a campaign for governor based on that. Uh, and when I did, I was one of seven candidates, one of seven candidates who I believed was uniquely talking about those things and had a unique perspective. By the time uh, January hit, I was one of 15 people and not only in a crowded field, but uh, for better or worse, I can take some credit, but probably not all, but I take some credit in that almost everybody was talking about helping the economy, school choice, and making sure we never had mandates again. So in a very crowded primary, where our messages were similar, where more and more candidates were putting school choice on their web pages, an issue of passion, uh, to a certain extent, mission accomplished uh, in terms of what of what I could and wanted to do. At the same time, it became increasingly clear to me uh, through, the, through the winter and into the early parts of 2022 that many of the problems that started in or were seen in Pennsylvania were there because Washington had given them the power, the authority, or the excuse. And in some ways, if you will, Pennsylvania's abuses of power and mismanagement were the symptoms of growing government in Washington uh, confusing guidance from the CDC, a sense that government should mandate how our lives were, and sending boatloads of money here to Pennsylvania. So the real, the core of the problem in many ways was DC. And while there are a few people running for Congress here in my home county, uh, again, I saw that absence of an appreciation of what had happened to small business and parents, and an appreciation of how government had become so intrusive. So I've stepped in here, uh, it was a request by a number of folks that I consider coming home, if you will, and I was humbled by that and have been actively running now for several days in my home area where my wife and I have lived since 1995 and uh, several years ago where I served as chief of staff to the member of Congress from this district, who was Jim Gerlach. So it's good to be home and I'm excited to take the fight across my district and then be one more voice for sanity in Washington. Well, it's only been a few days that you're running, and yet already you have gotten the endorsement of the Chester County GOP along with Ron Vogel. I guess they split their endorsement. How does that work? Uh, 
So one of the uh, one of the unique things here in my home county is under party rules, if no one gets six, the endorsements are only achieved when one gets 60% or more. Since neither of us did that, we were the final two left standing in a field of five. It's a recommendation, which means that Ron and I, uh, our information is shared on the party webpage, will be on the sample ballot. And more importantly to me, uh, in a field of four other candidates, with my being the fifth, in a field of four other candidates, some of whom had been running for this seat for almost a year, it was uh, overwhelming and humbling that six days into this campaign, uh, you know, party activists, people who volunteer time for this party met and decided to give me their recommendation. Um, I, it is humbling and uh, it does, I think, speak to the role I had in, in Vote Yes, the role I had in the chamber and the leadership I've shown in issue, on issues. Um, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was an exciting night, but now the vote goes, you know, we move on to the voters of Berks and Chester County, and I'm excited to have many of the Republican Party activists. But at the end of the day, the most important votes will take place uh, on May 17th and November 8th, and it's key that I win those votes more than any other. So, Guy, uh, since you're out of the governor race, are you throwing your support to any of the other candidates now? Uh, now, at, at least for the time being, not uh, one, I need to really focus here at home and not get engaged in statewide politics. Uh, you know, my focus needs to be here and talking to voters here and trying to earn their trust here, maybe at a later date. The other thing is, uh, I think if you talk to anyone that's run for office uh, and been part of a process, you you become you begin to know the other candidates in a way that other than their families, other folks just don't. Um, and and I need to process all that. Uh, what do I mean by that? In other words, I've appeared at dozens and dozens and dozens of events with with most of the candidates. We've talked about family life, stresses, jobs. Uh, you know. We've been in situations where one of us was running late or lost, and, and there was a sense of collegiality of helping people find their place or a willingness to switch lines in a, in a, in a, in a caucus meeting so that somebody could get home to see family. So I need to step back from that right now, because in many ways, the other men and women I was running against were my opponents. But in many ways, uh, I, I sort of a, you know, we became sort of a fraternity or a sorority, if you will. And, and I need to take some time away from that because I, I see them not so much as candidates, but as people that I spent a great deal of time with. So it's neat. I need to step away, but more importantly, I need, need to talk to the voters in my district and we'll worry about endorsements if anybody cares uh, about my preference. We'll worry about that down the road. Well, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, guy. I want you to know that that's right there. Uh, so tell me why there needs to be a change in the sixth congressional district here in the Delaware Valley. So uh, I would say really two reasons, Michael. I mean, one is first and foremost, look, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say just about everything in our lives is going in the wrong direction here in the United States. And you can look at it uh, on social media, watch it on the news, read it in your journal, or just feel it in your bones. There's a sense that everything is going wrong. And, and I say that not with no exaggeration. And I say that not even with a political bent. Uh, we've now crossed $4 gasoline everywhere. 
The White House has told us that most of us may see $5 or more before, before too long. Inflation is eating away at our budgets. Food costs more. Energy costs more. There are empty storefronts and empty store shelves. We still aren't sure how our kids coped with the last two years. There's still not a guarantee that our kids are gonna be back in school without interruption. And governments accumulated so much power. So first and foremost, we need a Republican Congress at this point to put the brakes on all of these things that are going wrong because the reality is, as these problems have gotten worse, President Biden and his team have doubled down. And you know, the old joke, like in life, when you're in a hole, stop digging. I mean, having accumulated a great deal of power in Washington, having spent trillions of dollars and found, finding out that it's only made us weaker, more anxious, more in debt and inflation, the answer seems to be to give more and more power to Washington and spend, spend more and more money. So first and foremost, I need to be part of that common sense voice that says enough is enough. We need to unpeel this, un, unpeel this mess to reduce power in that. Second, Congresswoman Houlihan, who's been the member of Congress for this district, has spent the last several years as a supporter and a proponent of all of this and has yet to raise an objection to anything. Uh, someone who portrays herself uh, as a moderate, someone who portrays herself as being a member of the Congress's problem solver caucus is not in fact a problem solver. There is no issue with all due respect that she can point to where she working with any group of Democrats or Republicans step forward to create a bipartisan solution to problems. More importantly, she has not spoken against anything. And I would say with all due respect to the Congresswoman Houlihan, I would ask the voters of the sixth district this, if over the last two years, as Tom Wolf, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden grew government, spent trillions, increased power, issued mandates, told us to get vaccines, told us to wear masks, told us we couldn't go to work, paid people not to work, had a horrific withdrawal from Afghanistan, shut off our nation's energy supply, told people we were gonna defund the police. If there was no point in the last two years where she thought her party went too far, where she wanted to be a voice of reason, calm and unity, if she wasn't willing to speak out, my, my sense is she's never going to stand up to her party because they've done some of the most objectionable things you can imagine. So Michael, that's it, there's two reasons. One, okay, well, let me, well, let me, let me, let me focus no on- this to be part of it. Let me focus on one issue because it's uh, right up front. Uh, Representative Houlihan just traveled uh, to the you, you, to Ukraine, uh, you know, a few weeks ago before the invasion, and now people are asking questions about what our energy policy should be. You know, in this new light, uh, as you know, the members of the Congress on both sides of the aisle are declaring Vladimir Putin a war criminal, literally, or asking him to be treated that way, and and using that kind of rhetoric. And yet the White House and many Democrats are saying we should continue to buy Russian oil here in the U.S. We should continue imports. And so my question for you is, one, do you see a connection between the the uh, energy policy that President Biden and his Democratic allies pursued in his first year in office and where we are today? And secondly, what do you think of the argument that even if you think Putin is a war criminal that because of concerns about gas prices in America or energy stability in Europe, you should still um, buy his oil. Yeah. So a lot to unpack there. First is I don't think any reasonable person 
in this congressional district or any other would, would deny the fact that our energy prices are high because of the policy decisions of the White House, that our dependence on foreign energy, foreign oil from Russia, from Venezuela, from the Middle East are the result of policies. And furthermore, they're misguided policies. When, when as president of the United States, you're so obsessed that on day one, day one, in the midst of a pandemic, you decided the most important thing to do was to cancel the Keystone pipeline, to cancel the jobs going with it, to cancel using energy from our neighbors in Canada, to process it here in the United States, to use it for the United States, in the name of misguided belief that it helps the environment. How does it help the environment to ask the Russians and the Venezuelans and the Saudis to increase production? Do we really think as Americans that the Russians have better environmental standards than we do? So you endangered our quality of life, you endangered our air, and you endangered job. You took away jobs and you endangered our national security. Secondly, to continue to buy oil from him is insane. We are lining his coffers to help him to provide for his military to buy weapons, fuel his tanks, fuel his jets, and provide cruel, merciless punishment on the innocent Ukrainians who had done nothing to him and our and our, our friends. And for anyone to suggest that that's good policy, it is bad national security policy, it is bad energy policy, it is bad environmental policy, and it makes us less safe. Look, this is a problem that can be solved. It was a man-made Joe Biden Democratic problem we're in. We've indicated we've wanted to stop American energy. The answer to our energy problems rest in the United States and Canada. We have enough natural gas to take care of ourselves and our allies for maybe 200 years. We have access to enough oil to take care of ourselves and our allies for 100 years. What the president ought to announce immediately is that he's instructing the Keystone Pipeline back online. I know that'll take a long time to get there, but it'll send a signal to the market that the United States is real. He should be meeting with energy executives and governors for energy states to see what can be done to increase energy production of gas and oil to begin to solve the short term problem, but more importantly, to put us on a path to energy independence and security. We can create jobs, clean the air, and make the world more secure. Unless you're an ideologue that doesn't care about reality, what, what they're doing is wrong. And what I've suggested is common sense and right. So Guy, what could you do um, as a member of Congress to bring down inflation, which is touching pretty much everyone? Yeah, so first and foremost is uh, you change national policy in terms of uh, spending and you, you tell the president that we're done and all this insanity of build back better and all these other bills where we're going to spend trillions of dollars, you explain to the president that it's a non-starter and it's not going to happen. So one, you don't allow the federal budget deficit and our national debt to grow. Second is you indicate to the you, you tell everybody, all businesses, that we're not going to be doing anything to cause inflation to get worse or interest rates to go up. Second, you begin to make sure we, we restructure this so-called infrastructure bill that is spending more money. See, the so-called infrastructure bill is not about building pipelines or cell towers 
or roads or rail. It's about a lot of other social experiments. We need to restructure that bill and get it focused on things that improve our quality of life and put money and investment. Those are the first two things. And the third is you need to make sure that you put a bill on the president's desk and hold his feet to the fire to open up our energy. And if and, and there are levers that Congress has as the keeper of the budget, as the keeper of the purse, is explaining to the president that we will not pass a budget, we will not send him a budget till he puts our energy back online to give us energy independence. Those are three easy things we can do that we can send a signal to the market, we can send a signal to the Federal Reserve, and we can explain to our allies and enemies around the world that we're serious about being responsible and building back our economy, because the president's path is to do the exact opposite. The president has said nothing about opening up our energy supplies. The president had said nothing about increasing our production. The president has said nothing about refocusing the infrastructure bill. And the president has said nothing about giving up on spending Build Back Better. In fact, as recently as the State of the Union, he doubled down on it. So as a member of Congress, that's my focus. We need to focus on inflation. We need to focus on growing this economy for not only our quality of life, but our national security. And everything else takes a back seat to those things because those things that they're doing are harming the economy and taking away our, our independence and our liberty. It's a double whammy and we need to fix it immediately. And part of the campaign is about raising these issues now because we did learn with the president that when you make a lot of noise, and he sees his polls num poll numbers moving, he changes course. So Linda, I would say a further thing, not only what will I do as a member of Congress, but what am I gonna do as a candidate? Be part of that message because we learned in the last week, suddenly that uh, masks are no longer necessary. Uh, mandates may start to be peeled back and that suddenly we're not going to defund the police. We're gonna fund the police. That's because the president is feeling pressure. So I intend to apply pressure as a candidate uh, and keep doing that long before I get elected to Congress. So, uh, Guy Schrocki, the Democrats are kind of previewing their playbook. It's going to be talk about Trump and how all Republicans are Trump and like Trump in January 6th. Uh, there's going to be a ruling from the Supreme Court this summer that's going to relate to uh, abortion rights and Roe versus Wade. In fact, they may even uh, 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 overturn Roe versus Wade and send the issue of abortion back to the states. Uh, what what's going to be the guy Shiraki response when Democrats make that case this fall? Pay no attention to the shiny object they're using to distract <laughs> you. Um, what 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 to me, issue one, two and three is the economy, the economy, the economy and everything related to it. Look, the reason the Democratic Party in Washington, in Harrisburg and in Chester County is going to want to talk about everything other than the economy and what they did to cause this nightmare is because they know that they're on the wrong side. There is no excuse, there is no explanation, there is no way to justify what they've done to us. Inflation occurred because they shrunk the workforce, paid people not to work, paid people to stay home, told them they didn't have to pay their student loans, told them they didn't have to pay their rent, gave them tax credits, in other words, they. They funneled money to people instead of encouraging them to go back to work. They made people afraid to go to work rather than easing their fears. And then they pumped trillions of dollars and dropped it out of, you know, out of airplanes all over the place. So they caused people to suffer by not letting them to go to work. 
And then when it was time to go to work, they didn't encourage them to go back and they didn't offer them any security or comfort to know it was time and okay to go back. So now having caused the, the, the highest inflation level we've seen since the 70s, and they're not done yet, having getting us ready for $5 gasoline and telling us that it is somehow a badge of honor to pay $5 in gas because we are sacrificing for freedom, much the way our grandparents did when fighting Nazi Germany, which is just insane and ludicrous, having caused this inflation, this suffering, this disturbance, having locked our kids out of school, causing them academic and emotional harm, of course they don't want to talk about that. Having grown the size of government, of course they don't want to talk about it. So, so my response to all of this will be, you may talk about whatever you want, Democratic Party. I'm going to talk about the things that people talk about at their kitchen table and in their minivans when they're taking kids to swim lesson or they're going to church on the weekends. The economy is paramount. The problems are in the economy and inflation is was making things worse. That's why we have empty storefronts. That's why people are anxious. It's contributing to instability around the world. And all of that is intertwined with our kids and their education and their future. I know why they don't want to talk about that. It's because the president's poll numbers are in the 30s because even Democrats are abandoning him because they've lost hope. This president promised us calm, unity, and focus. He's offered us none of those things. I will never, I will never let the Democratic Party shift the vote away from the blame they've harmed us until they agree to a path forward towards sanity, limited government, empowering people and lowering inflation and empowering parents. That's what we're going to keep talking about. They can distract us all they want. I know where I was on January 6th. I was home running the Chester County Chamber, helping small businesses stay afloat and fighting for parents so the kids would be back in school. That's where I was. All this other stuff afterwards is an attempt to distract us from the problems that are happening in our neighborhoods and our lives right now. Guy, um, everything you say sounds good. However, you're going to be bucking a trend over there in Chester County with the voter registrations um, going toward the Democrats. Uh, so doesn't that give Houlihan an advantage? If, if she thinks she can tell, if she thinks that Democratic voters like inflation, empty store shelves, $5 gasoline, their kids being locked out of school, kids being told to wear masks when the science said that one, masks aren't necessarily effective, and two, that kids under 18 are less likely to be ill. If she thinks it was a good idea to put police tape around jungle gyms that were outdoors and not have kids play in them, if she thinks it's a good idea to defund the police, I, I don't know a lot of Democrats that are happy with those positions or those results. So this is a campaign that will unify Republicans and invite independents and Democrats to join us in if she's under mistaken belief that there are Democrats in Chester County that like inflation, economic instability, wars around the world, kids locked out of school and government dictating to them whether they're allowed to go get pizza or not without showing ID, she's happy. To, I, I welcome her to present that agenda. Look, we built a year, a year and a half ago when, when we had to change the Constitution to get our liberty back. Uh, I was part of that effort. We had the Vote Yes Coalition. We had to change Pennsylvania's constitution because Harrisburg had grown too powerful. That was a coalition, not built around party, built around an idea. Businesses should be open, people should be in charge of their lives, and parents wanted their kids in school. 
That was a coalition of small business people, the people who worked there, the community supported by them, parents who wanted their kids in school, people who wanted their liberty back. That was a coalition of independents, Democrats, and Republicans. We're going to build that coalition back. We're going to remind people that we offer a better way. And if Congresswoman Houlihan thinks that the status quo, the thing she helped create is the record she wants to run on, if she thinks they're Democrats that like the things that are the way they are, more power to her. I have faith in the voters of this district. I have voters in the, in faith in the voters here that they're focused on issues, their liberty and their livelihood. And that's why we're going to win. That's what we like to talk about you guys. You're so uh, subtle. It's hard to figure out where you're coming from. We, we like that about you. <laughs> about two, 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 years, two years of running, two years of running a chamber right. where, where people cried on Zoom calls because they felt helpless. Two years of living the life were in the, on the main line, one of the more affluent communities in the Commonwealth. There are empty storefronts the body shop where we would take our car to get repaired when we had accidents, and we did have two of them during the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, is no longer in existence. The Italian, uh, the old Italian couple who were tailors and seamstresses, where you would go get your pants hemmed or go get fitted for weddings, they're out of business. The place where we go to buy pizza is closed two days a week. I have very strong feelings about what happened. And, and much like I've shared, I've shared with people, Michael and Linda, I'll tell you this, you know, for those of us that are old enough to have grandparents that grew up in the war or the depression. And I remind people, sometimes you would go visit grandma and grandma would have a quarter cup of tea sitting in the refrigerator or a quarter bit of a sandwich wrapped in aluminum foil or saran wrap. And as a kid, you would wonder why. And they said, because they lived through the depression and it didn't matter that it was 1990. They were so traumatized and impacted by that, that they would never throw away the last bite of a sandwich. I have been so moved and so impacted by what I lived through the last two years, what I saw, the meetings I presided over, that I have very, very strong feelings about the size and abuse of government and what it means in our lives. So yeah, I feel very, very strongly because Talking about things like overpowering government, intrusive government, that's not political rhetoric anymore. I watched how it crushed people's livelihoods. So yeah, I have very, very strong feelings about this and a very, I'm very motivated about fixing it. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us here on the podcast. Of course, Guy, what I take away from that uh, 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 soliloquy you just gave us is don't let Guy drive because you'll end up in the body shop. Did I, did I get that right? I didn't say I was <laughs> life, uh, life, uh, life as a parent means you have kids, but anyway, but I don't want to throw anybody under the minivan, so to speak. That's very good to know. Guy Shiraki candidate for uh, Congress in the Republican primary in the sixth congressional district. Thanks for joining us here on the Delaware Valley journal podcast. We appreciate your time. Thanks guy. Thanks so much. Folks can follow up at OurGuyForCongress.com. Send me questions, learn more, donate, offer to help. OurGuyForCongress.com. Look forward to talking again soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.